0: Welcome to the Breaking Chains podcast, where we are breaking free from the chains of our past and rising to lead extraordinary lives. I believe it's time we ditch the rules of this world that are keeping us enslaved in the grind, playing from behind, and instead opt into to a conscious and strategic upgrade, one that is founded in timeless principles that can only be accessed through the power of the heart. So if you've been creating deeper, more meaningful relationships, vibrant bodies full of life force and true prosperity in all arenas, this podcast is for you. My name is Christine Jewell. I'm a high-performance coach and faith-based mentor, and together we will awaken the king or queen you are destined to be so you can experience the fullness of life that's waiting for you. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to the show. It is Christine Jewell. And we are in the Breaking Chains podcast. We're on week five. We're in this relaunch. We're telling stories. I'm going to be sharing lots and lots of stories as we go on, but really, what we're we're, we're, the the story that I'm sharing today is about my body, my relationship with my body, my relationship with with health, with performance, with the push. And obviously all the the last couple of weeks are really weaving together, right? I wanted to uh, kind of just start fresh with this six part series. There's a six part series here where I'm sharing stories from my own life and I'm going through some of the key, arenas of life if you're not catching on yet right i'm i'm going through some of those key arenas of life and just sharing with you where i was my operating systems my identity when i was running ragged in that place in the season of being a hard-headed warrior, a stubborn warrior that needed to fight her way through, and what it's like on the other side. And I think it's important because I am a holistic coach, right? I'm a holistic executive coach. Everything that I do, whether I'm speaking, coaching, training, I'm looking at the big picture. I'm looking at the whole thing, the whole person. I'm looking at your whole life. And I have been Relentless about this from the beginning is that we can't just compartmentalize a piece of us, right? We might be kicking butt and taking names in one arena, but if we're not holistically looking at our life, if we're not holistically healing and holistically changing the way we operate across every, every area, eventually we're going to get a flat tire. Eventually there's going to be friction. There's going to be misalignment. Things are going to go off the rails. And so I'm taking this time to very intentionally go through first of all, where was that warrior persona, that woman, that person inside that always wanted to fight, that thought everything had to be hard, everything had to be a challenge, everything had to be a boulder to press uphill. So really being in this place of operating from a lot of force, chasing power, and creating a lot of friction rather than flow, right? Now, I've had tapped into flow state a lot as an athlete. So I knew the place of flow. I knew how to drop in there, but I'm talking about upgrading on a whole other level where that's your norm and not just a place you experience every once in a while when the stars align and the, you know, (laughs) the weather's just perfect and everybody in your life is behaving the way you want and you have all the time and space to do everything you want. But I'm talking about flow, uh, fluidity, Rhythms as a part of life. I'm talking about freedom as a part of life, like the normalcy. I'm talking about spaciousness, mental clarity, physical freedom, emotional stability as the norm, not the exception. So, if you go back a couple of weeks, I started this whole thing with what is breaking chains all about? We're breaking generational patterns, we're breaking old ways of doing things that are no longer working. I mean, I'm challenging a lot of things here. And for some of you, it's a big stretch. I jumped into where the warrior was born. And then I talked about just that personality, which we all have these different personalities inside of us, you know, that want to push or want to grind or want to, you know, be a victim and have everybody else save us. We have the savior inside that wants to save everyone else. Talked really about the warrior because I think that that archetype inside of us is so key for the conversations we're having. And then I went into, okay, what did that look like in my relationships and how did I get on the other side of that? And then that was, we talked about what did that look like in business as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a small business owner, right? What what were the operating systems of how I ran my business? How's my life different today? Because I'm telling you, I run my business organize my time, my workflow, everything is completely different. Today, we're going into the physical body or the arena of fitness. Because again, this is an area where people are really struggling. Physically, I'm exhausted. I wake up tired. In the middle of the day, I'm tired. Why am I always tired? Right? It's like, zoop, our bandwidth gets sucked up. I have a lot to say about this. And there's a lot of tactical things in energy mastery and energy management, right? From nutrition to training. There's a lot of modality. There's, there's a lot of practices there's a lot of things that you can do to stack to increase your energy. And if you guys want to go back, you could check out episode four of the entire, uh, the very, very beginning when it was called The Untamed Life, where I talk about energy is everything, right? And um, really, we got to understand that energy is everything, right? It's our life force. But today I want to talk about the psychology, the operating systems, and the identity that runs the way that you treat your body your relationship with your body, your relationship with honoring, respecting, taking care of your body, or trashing your body, running over your body, steamrolling yourself, and then wondering why you feel like garbage. Even though you might be working out like crazy, eating all the best foods, you may still be totally depleted and exhausted. So I'm not going to rehash the whole story. You can go back and listen. But, you know, those of you who've listened to the last few episodes... The the time that I really pressed in to fitness in my life, you know, obviously as a, as a kid, I was in high school, I was in middle school actually starting. Right. And that was when I started to even dabble in athletics years before that. I remember we moved here from Italy. We moved from Italy to Raleigh, which is actually where we're at right now. I'm I'm backtracking a little bit more. And I remember we never had phys ed in Italy. We never had like all of these sports. It was just mostly academic and it was play. Play was playing outside with friends or in the garden or whatever. So when we came here and all of a sudden we had phys ed and there was all this, um, focus on physical, uh, challenges and games and, you know, all this stuff, picking teams. That was really foreign to me. Um, long story short, I remember a day being in phys ed or yeah, it was phys ed. We were outside for PE. They were doing kickball. I think it was kickball at the time teams. And, you know, of course I got picked last. Oh, I hate that. You know, when, when, they would say, I pick you, I pick you, I pick you. And then there's like three kids left and you're sweating and you're like, please don't let me be the last one. Don't let me be the last one. I was the last one. And the shame, you know, that washed over me that day. And I remember one of the kids, a boy saying, you suck at running. You suck at running. And I was like, I just wanted to like crawl into the dirt, you know, bury a hole in the ground, like, and go in and just like never come out. So embarrassing. And of course, what do you think I did that entire game? You know, it just would fumble, fumble the ball, kick it and totally miss it. And the ball would pass me. And I was just so clumsy and I was so embarrassed and I didn't run fast. I think it was the bases at the time, right? I just, you performed to the level of the attack or the character that somebody tells you, you suck. Okay, so let me show you how much I suck, right? I want to say that that one word from that that kid who was just a bully on the playground, who probably had his own stuff going on, right? It just left such an imprint in me that for years... I would not even dress up for Pete. I always had a stomach ache. I would call my mom sick, like, oh, I forgot my clothes. I don't want to dress up. I just, I didn't want to go through the mortification, the embarrassment, the shame of not winning, of not being good, of not getting picked, of you know, other people thinking that I sucked. That's number 1. Notice where the seeds get planted, okay? So for years I played this game and with my mom, with my PE teacher, with everyone else. And I even remember much later like when we would have to run the track in high school, I mean, I would just like drop and walk sometimes, you know, like in the very, very beginning until I, I started playing soccer and getting really serious. Then I became a great track uh, <laughs> athlete. However, I don't want to jump ahead. The thing that switched it for me was about eighth grade, ninth grade, or eighth grade, or somewhere around there, maybe a little bit before. I remember that a couple of my girlfriends started playing soccer. Number one, I wanted to be so badly part of the group. I wanted to hang out. I wanted to do the sleepovers. I wanted to do all the things, right? But I didn't fit in anymore because like I didn't play soccer and I didn't, wasn't part of the cool kids. Secondly, my dad loved soccer. He was coaching my brother's team. He always watched it on TV. We came from Italy. Italy is the Italian or soccer is the Italian sport football. Right. So it was like this prime time where I was like, I'm going to go out and try out for the team. Right. I'm going to try out for the team. And so I went to tryouts. I went to tryouts because I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be accepted. You know, I wanted to be part of it and I wanted to please my father. So this was a huge stretch for me because already I thought, Oh my gosh, I'm terrible. Like oh, all this stuff. Well, I did make the team. I made a team, but I didn't make the team. If you know what I mean, I didn't make the rep team that I wanted when I went out to high school tryouts. I didn't even make the, the team the first year around. And so I was like in this place where it's like, you're, you're good, but you're not good enough. And you're certainly not good enough for these higher tier teams. Now I went to school where there was 2,400 kids, 600 students in a class. So there was a lot of competition. Okay. <laughs> there was a lot of competition, but I remember something flipped to me and I was like, I am going to make that team. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I will not be mortified. I am just like, I put the work in you guys. I got my dad to hire me a coach, a, a trainer that I worked with. We ran the drills. I showed up to the bonus practices. Like I started running on my own. I started like, I was like rocky out there. You know, I'm going to run. I started hitting the gym at school and at Bally, Bally Total Fitness back in the day. That was my first job. I started working the front desk at Bally Total Fitness. And then I got in and then, you know, I just started hitting the weights because obviously that's where all, A, all the cute guys were in there, right? All the athletes were in there. And I just felt so great. All of a sudden it was like, yes, I belong here. I know what I'm doing here. I work here. And oh my goodness, let me tell you, I was really good at all the things. I discovered that all those things I kid told me earlier in life, I was actually really naturally Gifted athletically, actually, I just had never exercised those muscles, so I had to put some work in. But I started lifting weights, I started going for runs, I started working with my trainer, physical trainer like soccer coach. The next year, I went out and I not only made the team, but I became captain of the team. I was one of the highest scoring players, or if not the highest scoring players, right? And I just it was, it started such a season of me going, I am all in on this baby, right? Like I got the bug. I loved the challenge. I love to win. I love the challenge of proving everybody else wrong and showing what I was capable of. And so that, and then on top of it, you know, my dad started really paying attention. Obviously I'm playing soccer. I'm scoring goals. He's paying me a hundred bucks per game. If I score three goals, a hat trick. So, you know, I'm all over that. So I'm raking in cash. I'm getting dad's attention. Finally, I am, you know, getting a lot of external attention, but also just feeling really good about myself after thinking that I totally sucked at running, totally sucked at kicking a ball And here I am, nothing could be further from the truth. Well, soccer turned into track. I started running track. I started training at the gym. I became a fitness trainer really early on. As soon as I could teach group fitness classes, I was out there teaching step and kickboxing and everything. And I was committed to health. Health took over. My pursuit of strength, my pursuit of the challenge, the physical fitness took over. And it was a great season for me because that was also when everything was coming to a head really at home with all of the challenges that were going on in my parents' marriage and the alcoholism and my father losing his job. It was all slowly building up. So my father was really struggling at that time there was just a lot of turmoil at home. I needed to get out of the house. I needed to feel strong. I I had to tap into somewhere where I could find confidence and, and strength and security. And the one thing that really, you know, did that for me, along with an amazing youth group, I have to say, was the gym, the soccer field, the road, you know, anywhere and anywhere, everywhere where I could train, compete, challenge. And I loved to compete with anyone, right? I love to compete with guys and I could really hold my own. So on one hand, this, this falling in love with fitness really saved my life. I'm going to say like it really did because it gave me an outlet to express so much of my hurt, my pain, my anger, my rage. It, it really built my confidence, my strength in a time where so many things were challenging. So this is why I want to say it served me really well for a season. And it was a great foundation for later in life when I would open up my own holistic health studio and become, you know, a a fitness coach and a trainer and an integrative nutritionist and a holistic health practitioner. Like it was all stacking. And I want to pause for a minute because sometimes we look back and we're like, oh man, it was all bad. And it wasn't, there was some elements, everything was preparing me for the next season. Everything was preparation, right? There was, There was a positive, expansive, healthy dynamics in it. And there was some other seeds that were starting to get planted as well. So as we reflect, we want to really take in the expansive, the life-giving, the things that were like, yes, more of that in my life. That was beautiful. And I don't want to say good or bad, but the things that maybe were not optimal, they were maybe dysfunctional uh, for us. We can cut ties with that part, right? We can cut ties with that part of the operating system. But I'm sharing this because each stage serves the purpose of our life. And in that season of my life, fitness, the relentless pursuit of getting stronger, gaining confidence, finding the challenge, it, it served me. That was my warrior in training, if those of you haven't figured that out yet, in the physical body, because I knew I no longer had the structure at home, the masculine structure also to support me, the certainty turned into quicksand. I didn't have anything really solid as a foundation to sink into. So it gave me this sense of solidity, of strength, of structure, which is interesting, right? That's what the body, that's what the bones and the muscle do for the body. It's the structure that that holds everything else together, all the inner workings. And so just little side note here that if we are lacking – Solid internal, like spiritual structure, relational structure inside of ourselves, our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with, with God, with the, the provider and protector of the universe. Like if we lack that in our most intimate relationships, we're going to go hyper vigilant on trying to create that level of structure physically, mentally, emotionally. So we may, may become rigid in lots of other ways. I went all in on the physical. Okay. That served me really well for, for that season of my life. And I want to say that, you know, I, I draw, I, I played soccer. I did fitness. I loved fitness. It was really life-giving for a a long season of my life. And I want to fast forward that the whole time I was married, the first time around, you know, with my first husband, I got married when I was 21. I was always maintaining health and fitness and all of that as a hobby. But when it, when it started to really switch was after I had Grayson, shortly after i had Grayson, my third son, not only did I want to get back in shape because I gained weight, I was like, I'm getting back in shape. But I was like, I'm going to start running again. I'm going to start training again. And that's when I went back and I started joining a local running group at the time. I had been, you know, teaching spin classes and training and stuff like that. But I joined a local running group. And I remember thinking like, oh man, I'm like the slowest one here. And I was running with the back back of the group, but it wasn't long because, you know, the program was in me. Oh no, I am not going to be last. Right. I start training. I start putting in the hours. I start doubling down on my, you know, training protocols and everything. The weight falls off. I sign up for my first triathlon and you know, I do pretty darn well. I think I finish in the top, whatever, maybe 25% or something. Well, I got the bug again, right? That competition bug came in. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to crush everybody out here. Interestingly that at the time also I was going through a season of difficulty in my marriage. It was really like the beginning of the downfall. Um, because I, there was so many frustrations inside of my marriage at that time that I just started pouring all of my frustration again, all of my energy my anger, my everything that I wanted to run away from. I was like, I'm going to go running. And I literally ran my problems off by going for long runs, 10K, 20K, 30K, hours long, you know, hour long, half day bike rides or longer. Like I just looked for every opportunity to just lose myself in my fitness. And again, it served in one way. I, I went on to to train at a very high level. I was winning races every weekend. I ended up, you know, qualifying for worlds a couple years in the row, get, uh, getting ready to, you know, go do that. I did go do that. It allowed me to open my fitness studio in that season after I got divorced. When the divorce was so nasty, I mean, being able to train and run and cycle and coach other people and really challenge my challenge myself really channeled my energy and my focus so that I did not blow up and self-destruct, okay? Because it was, it was a rough season of divorce. But I want to go back to the fuel that drives us. Even though there was so much goodness, I love fitness. And even to this day, I went for a run this morning and I love it. But the fuel that drives us, if the times that I really forced myself to push, where I really forced myself to compete, to get to that top 1%, which I always seemed to tap into, you know, whatever groups I was part of or to win first place or podium first to third, right? Top three. So much of that was fueled by me needing to prove, meaning, need, me meaning to prove somebody wrong, prove myself right, prove something, or I was channeling so much frustration and anger and I had to get angry in order to get that force, that amount of power through me, okay? Okay. It was funny, and I know I'm kind of hopping all over the place, but I had already opened my studio, and again, we were helping lots of people. We had great classes going on. We had nutrition programs, but I had this like addiction to like pushing my body all the time, and you guys know the story. The name of the business when it was birthed was called Push. Push. Everything in my life was a push. I was pushing mentally, physically, emotionally, I was pushing in the relationship I was with. And some of you maybe have even heard the story of the man that I was dating at the time, which was the, the relationship I had after I was married for many, many years. The first date this man came to, <laughs> so silly. I remember it was one of my triathlon races. It was a local race. And so this guy came, Jeff, he used to own the bike shop. And you know, Jeff, we love you and everything if you're listening to this, but this is shows where we were at with the psychology of where we were at at that time is that he says, I'm going to come to your race and, you know, check it out. I'm thinking, yeah, baby come to the race. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to perform. I'm going to put on a show. And so of course I have a great race. And right as I'm coming up to the last, maybe like half a mile or so, there's this guy, right? That I'm str- you know, this is my first date. This is my opportunity to really show him what I'm made of. He's a high caliber athlete himself. He owns a bike shop. He's like a motocross racer, all the things. And I just remember looking at him and I remember hearing him screaming from the sidelines. This is his motivation. Okay. Second place is first loser. Second place, first loser. And at the time I was second place. When he said that there was somebody in front of me. So here I am. I'm coming into the final stretch of the race. Y'all, I'm already second place. That's not first place, but I heard those words and it was like a fire under my arse to go. What do you think I did? I was like a wind up, you know, toy. All of a sudden he just wound me up. He hit the button. He knew exactly which one to hit. I got first place that race and I was like gloating, you know, I was like, yeah, crushed it, did it. And you know, we were high fiving and we thought this was the greatest thing. Do you know what? We continued to motivate each other that way throughout our entire relationship. If you're not winning, you're losing. That meant only one of us could be number one and somebody was always second place it fueled an air of competition inside of our relationship. It also started really set the foundation for how I would look at everything going forward, right? So whether we were cycling, whether we were skiing, whether we were whatever, going for a run, it was always like, who's going to be the winner? Who's going to be the loser. We're always on a proving ground. We're always on a testing ground. And we always need that little dig, that little bit of fire to just get under our skin, to be the fire under our butt that fuels us to move forward. What is wrong with this program? I want to really challenge you guys. What is wrong with that program? Can you see the dysfunction? Is that really channeling health, vitality, longevity, life force? Or are we pushing our bodies and training hard for something completely different. Now, I want to say I was a great nutritionist. I was a great coach, and I did a lot of awesome mobility classes. Like, we did so many great things inside that studio. Talking about my internal relationship with my body, with the need to push all the time, everything in my life, that finally led me to the point Years later, 10 years after opening my studio, where you guys have heard the story, I was face down in that floor of that yoga room and I'd been pushing my body, my physical body so hard through, you know, <laughs> workouts. Like if I wasn't working out for two hours a day, I was pissed. I was so angry. Like I was a loser. If I wasn't really always having, you know, the best body fat and the best this and lifting the most, I would just beat myself up. My inner critic was out of control. You all, you know, it was really out of control. And I had, I did a lot of work on that during the years, but we stack these, we stack the way we treat our body. It stacks over time. So even though in the later years, I started being more caring and more loving towards my body, I had spent a good two decades a good, yeah, decade and a half to two decades almost really beating myself up and always needing to do it from a place of needing the stress, needing the push, needing the fire under my butt. Finally, I got to that place where you guys have heard the story, go back and listen to it. But I was face down on the floor of that yoga space and every muscle hurt so bad. I was just like, I felt like I was burning from the inside out. Following that was a season of really, I think it was burnout where I just needed copious, copious, copious amounts of rest. Like I was napping and sleeping like nobody's business. I was so exhausted. It took me months, almost a year, probably longer than that. I would say almost a year and a half to fully restore and come out of that because I had just been burning my body for so long, waking up exhausted you know, waking up top of the morning, needing to go, go, go first thing in the morning, working myself till night, training in the middle, you know, running around from one activity to the next with the kids, trying to squeeze things in. I can never just breathe, feel relaxed, feel at ease in my body. There was always some kind of thing, burning, rushing, you know, just Competing for attention, competing for time. And the body keeps the score, you guys. There's a great book called The Body Keeps the Score. And so I want to say that, you know, you can have all the best holistic practices in the world. By the time I got to the place of burnout, you guys, I was eating very organic, grass fed everything. I had macro balanced meals. Nutritionally, I looked like a poster child, okay? Body fat percentage. I looked like a poster child. I was like 15, maybe 18% body fat. For those of you who know anything about the female body, that's really low, right? Um, that's low for a woman. That's the norm is like 18 to 28%. So I want to say on the outside, it looked like I was doing all the right things. I was training. I was coaching classes. I was, you know, winning races. I was eating really well. And again, when you're young, you can kind of do this, but as you get older, as the years go by and these things stack, your body gets to the point where it says, enough, enough already. And I realized that day when I was face down on the floor in the 18 months that came after is that I thought I knew what health was really about, but I hadn't really cultivated a deep, healing relationship with my physical body. I didn't have a true understanding, first and foremost, spiritually, what our body was created for and what it meant to be an optimal balance, optimal health, which is fueled by optimal relationship. I'm going to say that again, optimal balance, optimal health, homeostasis is fueled by right relationship with our bodies. With an understanding and a knowing of what the body, what is the purpose of our body? What is the purpose of our body according to our creator? How about we check in with the one that created our bodies? Because if we don't know the purpose of something, we will abuse it. We'll think, oh, this thing, my body is here to make me look good and carry me around and like attract a mate and, you know, it's here to put, be pushed and challenged. And we treat our bodies like a thing that we own instead of a temple that is housing our spirit and the spirit of God. We treat our bodies like a machine instead of a sacred vehicle and a sacred vessel to experience life through. We, we whip our bodies. We punish our bodies. We slam our bodies with our words. I mean, the things we say about our bodies is crazy. Stuff I catch the women on my calls talking about when they talk about their bodies. It's wild how we talk to ourselves. So I want to say this. It took me hitting that total breakdown point again, physically, y'all, I had to have a breakdown, business breakdown, i had to have a relationship breakdown, I need to have a breakdown in my body because I was fighting at every single level, every single arena of my life was being fueled by the same things, the need to prove myself, the need to never experience that shame or that, you know, that feeling of not being good enough, not being first. And I know you can relate to this because it's in all of us. And when, even when you think you're over it, we got to really check. So I want to just fast forward that here I am today. And I want to share a couple things as we wrap is that I needed to get things back in the right order. And I want to say that today I'm here, you can look at me on the screen, you know, I'm have. i always saying, look at somebody's eyes, look at their skin, look at how much radiance is coming out from them. Are they an image? Are they an image of health? Listen to how they treat their bodies, how they talk about their bodies, how they move. Do they move with grace? Do they move with ease? Are they rigid? Are they comfortable at home in their bodies? I would like to say that I am I am. Yes, I'm living that now. I wake up rested today. I wake up rested. I know what it means to honor my body. I still move my body, but I'm moving with intention. I'm feeding my body with intention. And, and I realize the purpose of the body. So I want to suggest three things. I want to introduce you to a couple things that really switch for me. Number one, my body is not a machine your body is not a machine. It is a beautiful, living, miraculous, organic, created vessel that is always trying to heal itself. It's always trying to work for you. It's always like replenishing, restoring, renewing. Like it is a self-healing, miraculous machine, Uh, not machine, but a vehicle. It is not a machine that is designed to produce 24 seven with no rest, meaning it is it has rhythms, it has cycles. And we need to honor the rhythms. We need to honor the cycles. We have to understand that this is a living, breathing ecosystem that needs certain things in order to be fully alive, to do its job properly, to really multiply and flourish, which is beautiful. That's what an ecosystem does is it multiplies and it flourishes when all the elements are right. But if you treat your body like a factory in a machine, you're going to have to always be repairing parts, right? You're going to always have to be repairing parts like ligament strains, tendon breaks, you know, literally breaks, just things fall apart. Misalignments It's going to require so much Maintenance and it does require maintenance because we're doing life in it and it gets a lot of use. But the first shift I really want to have you upgrade is that your body is a temple. It is a temple. First Corinthians six nineteen says, "Do you not know? Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, to whom you have been received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body." This, this verse honors the idea that our bodies are sacred and should be treated with reverence. Number one, because they house the Holy Spirit. You know, you wouldn't go into a beautiful temple and start spray painting it and trashing it, throwing garbage in there. But a lot of us treat our bodies that way. So first of all, you know, if you're just misusing and abusing your body by throwing toxic food in your food hole and you're not honoring, you're not taking care of your body, like that is a reflection, really. Of how you view the spirit, the sacredness of that. I really invite you to lean in if I, how would I treat a sacred place? Is that how I'm looking at my body? It's not my own actually. I'm here to honor it to respect it, to take care of it because it is the home of the spirit. It's the home of your spirit. it's the home of your soul and it is the home of the Spirit of God. When you get this, you start treating your body completely differently. Number two is that there's a responsibility of stewardship. I want to read Romans 12 for you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is true worship. I want to say this. Worship is when we honor right? Our bodies. And we offer our bodies to God in service as a living sacrifice. Like that is the ultimate form of worship. I want to make this more practical for you. As I go for a run or as I'm, you know, feeding my body well, whether it's greens and collagen or extra doses of water, I'm going and soaking in the sunshine outside. You know, I did that earlier, just laid in the sunshine and I'm letting my physical body and my light body absorb all this beautiful nutrient, vitamin D from the sun and literally looking at all the light pouring. It's just such an act of reverence to say, thank you for filling me with light. Thank you. literal, for like... filling me nutritionally while I'm sitting here. I get to honor you. I get to worship you, my creator. You design this like you are the light and I'm designed to absorb the light. Isn't that interesting? You don't get enough vitamin D. You literally get so sick. Your entire immune system is compromised. So as we absorb more light, we hold more light and we become more light. We bring more light. This is not just a spiritual thing that I'm talking about. Yes, it's true for spiritual light. I'm talking about for like light, um, itself, like the light, you know, sunlight, we are light beings. We, we carry a lot of light when there's a lot of life force in something. It has a lot of light energy. So when you, when you think about your body and you start thinking that it is a vessel, it is something to steward. How are you managing? How are you, you know, multiplying, this, this vessel, this body that you've been given, are you multiplying the light that's in your body by eating light foods, by spending time in sunshine, by drinking clean water, right? By really offering your body, maybe even to God, like right now, this is an act of worship. I'm offering my body to, to speak, to teach, you know, when I'm hosting events and I'm you know, worshiping with people or, you know, hugging it out, whatever it is like, is your body, your body's an offering, or do you just like misuse it, abuse it, trash it, throw it, like not even pay attention. The last thing I want to say here, well, there's two more real quick. And as I wrap is really, I did not understand the sacredness and this really ties into the last episode more than this one, but I did not understand the sacredness of sexuality and that like when I think about my body being a temple and my body being a living, breathing sacrifice, anytime I, you know, entered into sexual acts that were totally like out of alignment with marriage or just abused my body in any way from a sexual place, prostituted myself. And again, I'm not talking about actual prostitution of going out and selling your body. But when we, you know, you think when you were a child and you were a teenager or a young adult and you're just like sleeping around you're promiscuous you're that's that's what i mean when i say we're prostituting ourselves cuz often we're feeling pressured to to do things to engage in behaviors and we're saying yes when really we want to say no and we feel violated and we're wondering why or we feel gross afterwards and we're like what what just happened and I do believe that's like the reason why our soul feel like it needs a shower is we just like prostituted our bodies, this temple, and has been violated. And I know this is a, a deep concept to grasp, and I hope that, you know, I can just communicate it. But this understanding for me really shifted the way I honored my body, the way I viewed my sexuality, N- you know, the, the need to always dance and perform and push for affection instead of just having a body that was open and receptive and inviting to the right things, my husband and God, right? And the last thing here is just really where I started that you have this beautiful, miraculous, self-healing ecosystem that is designed to flourish. You know, the book of Proverbs says that if we listen and we heed the word of wisdom and you think about this, what is the wise way to eat? What is the wise way to move? What is the the way of wisdom when it comes to respecting your body? What is the way of wisdom when it comes to proper rest? When we pursue wisdom, right? We will have long life. It will be refreshment to our bones, but so many of us are chasing the path. Of foolishness, the path that is ruled by the ego that says, I want attention. I want it now. I need to prove something. I need to win that thing. I'm going to, right? And it's me, me, me. And so the ego becomes like a slave master over the body, abusing it, misusing it, prostituting it, treating it like a machine, putting garbage in, acting like it's a trash can instead of a miraculous ecosystem. It's intense. I I wish I could just I could talk for for days on this topic. But I just want to as I leave you here today I want you to consider those four things that your body was bought for a price. It's actually not your own. It houses more than just you and it's not a thing. It is a living, breathing temple. It is a sacred gift that you've been given. It is a home to not only your spirit and soul but the spirit of God. It is designed by the designer of life himself to thrive, to flourish, to be long lasting when you honor it, when you respect it, and when you move from wisdom. So I want to ask you, what does that, what does that look like in your life today? Again, there's so much more work to be done around this but I want you to, I want you to ask yourself, how have I treated my body up until today? How's my relationship with my body been? Do I treat my body like my machine? Is my model still push it and abuse it? Am I always just, you know, whipping it or have I cultivated a refreshed and a renewed understanding of this holy temple that I have? Right. And amazing what it's, ability to do, the amount of power, the amount of life force, the amount of authority, the amount like of, of God consciousness and force that can be channeled through your body when you're in unification with him and you are living according to the way of wisdom, I'm telling you is going to produce exponential increases way more than you could ever do when you were pushing and striving and performing and chasing and abusing. You guys, I want to thank you for being here. Another great long episode. (laughs) If this is work that is speaking to you, if you want to understand, hey Christine, how do I turn it around? How do I start to, you know, what's the process? Because obviously, I'm going to from one extreme to the other. Today, I wake up rested. I'm doing my work is my worship. I. You know, still have so many beautiful modalities and practices and holistic nutrition practices. But again, the fuel is no longer the fire under my butt and the need, the incessant need to perform and push. It's the fire in my heart. It's the inner knowing, the understanding and the wisdom that guides me. So the fire is in my heart. I believe this is the beauty way. I believe this is the life giving way. I believe this is the way of multiplication. You guys, again, if you want to learn more about this, you can comment. Or you can follow the links below to connect with us. Get connected. Get in one of our coaching circles. We have a beautiful women's circle, the Sisterhood. We have a roundtable mastery program for men and women leaders committed to raising the standard of how they lead love, you know, in business, and life, in their relationships, and it's all interconnected. Remember, you are a holistic being. You can't compartmentalize one area of your life and then, you know, have the rest just be in turmoil. If you want the path of flow, you want to live in the path of power. You want to live in the past path of freedom, fulfillment. You've got to find integrity or wholeness. And I believe that our relationship with our body is a key to that process. Thank you for being here. Make sure you share this episode with someone who needs to hear this right now, who's been struggling in their own relationship with their body, having this inner civil war with themselves. Um, I pray that this will bless you. Please leave a review if you haven't done so, and we will see you in the next episode. Bye for now. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute right now to subscribe and review. Your five-star review goes so far in getting this message into the ears and hearts of the people who need to receive it. Thank you again for being part of this conversation. Have a beautiful, blessed, and prosperous day.